Did you hear the gospel? Why don't you look more shocked? It is one of the most terrifying passages in the New Testament. Literally. If you listen to what he says in this gospel, it should rock your life. It, it shook me so hard when I was younger and I was kind of having my conversion. I was sort of living like a half-hearted, mediocre Catholic sort of life. And I, was, I started reading the scriptures. I read through this passage and I got scared. Why? Well, mainly because the people that Jesus kicks out look like they're living the faith. It might be a shallow sort of attempt at the faith, but he, I mean, listen to what they say. They said, Lord, let us in. We ate and drank with you. You taught us. You know what that sounds like to me? Lord, we went to Sunday Mass. We ate and drank with you. You taught us. And he doesn't just say, Okay, but yeah, get out of here. He says, depart from me, you evildoers. I don't know you. I think what he's saying is basically a fantastic way not to go to heaven is just to go to Sunday Mass. Do you give him an hour a week? That's great. What are you doing with the other 167? How does the faith impact your life in every given situation that you have? And yes, Sunday Mass is necessary, but Jesus says it's the minimum. And just because you go to Sunday Mass doesn't mean you're following him. I have, over my priesthood, I have known plenty of people that go to Sunday Mass, walk out those doors, and are not Catholic at all. Their faith doesn't impact them at all. At work, in the family, nothing. But they're here. And that's why we know, you guys, we know this. If you, if you want to be good at anything, you have to strive. You have to intentionally do it. If you want a good marriage, you have to intentionally live it every single day. If you want a good prayer life, you have to intentionally live it. If you want to be good at anything, it has to be a priority. And if you don't, it will slowly just fall apart. If you're not striving to get closer, you're already getting further away. That's why I hate when people are, you know, they're struggling, they, can't, they come in, marriage, and I'm like, well, what happened? They're like, oh, we just, I don't know, I guess we just drifted apart. No, you didn't. Drift apart. Give me a break. You know what you did? You chose to not focus on your marriage, and therefore, you guys split. That's what happened. You made a choice. This is why Jesus doesn't give a number or a percentage of how many people are saved when the man asks him how many are saved. He just says one word. Strive. Work at it. Let it impact everything in your life. Choose it every day. So here's my question. Are we striving for heaven? Because if, those, if you're not striving for heaven, you will go to hell. I can promise you that. So I'm going to call this Reality Check Sunday. And I'm going to give you three questions. And depending on how you answer these three questions, is how you can tell if you are striving for heaven or not. First question. In the last seven days, has there been just one time where you have changed your schedule 
in order to get closer to Jesus. What do I mean by that? This could be simple stuff. It doesn't have to be big. One time, maybe you're coming home from, from work and you swung by the church and prayed for a couple minutes. You got up a few, uh, 10 minutes early so you could read through the scriptures and work on understanding the word of God. As you were driving to work, you decided, you know what? I'm turning the music off. I'm just going to talk to Jesus this morning. I'm going to pray a decade of the rosary. These are the things. These are the choices. Have you done that in the last seven days? Consciously made that decision to grow closer to him in some way. Number two. In the last seven days, has there been one decision that you've made that has been based on the fact that you're Catholic? In the last week, has there been one thing you said no to or yes to because of your Catholic faith? Or does that not affect you outside of this? Like in the workspace, in your family, if your friendships. I just kind of check my Catholic faith at the door. That doesn't impact those decisions. I'll give you an example from my own life. Very simple. This doesn't have to be huge stuff. It can be huge stuff. So I was sick a couple weeks ago. I was getting better. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch a movie. I haven't watched a movie in a long time. So I looked up. I'm going through stuff. And there's this movie called Zootropolis. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a Pixar animation movie. I'm like... How bad could this be? It had really high ratings, which I should have known. Really high ratings. They can control whatever they want on ratings. So I turn it on, I'm watching about a half hour into that show, I'm like, I disagree with everything they are talking about. So I turned it off. That's it. My faith impacted a decision in my life. Has that, have you done that one time in the last seven days that you can think of? Finally, in the last seven days, have you done something with your money that you would not have done if you were not Catholic? Have you done something with your money the last seven days because you believe in Jesus? Like helping a person that you wouldn't have normally helped? Or one thing you decided to buy or not to buy because you're a Catholic? Now, I know this is always a touchy subject, and they're like, oh, Father's going to preach on money. He always preaches on money. I am. Yeah, so here, buckle up. Let's go. Okay, we're going to talk about money. And the reason I'm going to talk about money is because I see a lot of people spending a lot of money on ridiculous things. And yet our collections here have stayed pretty much the same. Maybe even gone down just a little bit. Which is interesting because everybody's like, inflation, inflation, inflation. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, inflation, inflation, inflation. It's here too. What have we done? Our numbers are up. I don't know if you knew that. I regularly am signing. We have these little welcome letters. I regularly sign these. We have more younger families. We got a lot of good things going on. It took us quite a few years to get there. We got the largest faith formation program in Mandan. I think we have the largest church now in Mandan, which is right and just because we are the mother church of this bad boy. We have our schools doing better. We have the prospects of possibly even needing to build a new school because of space. We had a young man from our parish join the seminary. Not many parishes can boast that. And we ordained a guy from our parish this year as well. Not many parishes can boast that. We got a lot of things that are going on that are good. And so I'm begging you to step up for some big donors to step forward. For all of us to chip in and and just so we can teach and preach and form. And I don't have to ask the question every single time, how are we going to pay for this? 
You know how free that would be in my priesthood if I didn't have to ask that question? Now, there has been some people that have stepped forward. And I'm grateful for that. Thank you. And those of you that do give, thank you. We even had one guy leave us a part of his estate that will be endowed and will go on and give money to the parish for as long as we're around. But even that. You know how many funerals we did here last year? 69. You know how many left us a part of their estate? One. I'm not asking for the whole thing. Just a little. This is your parish. It formed you. It's forming your grandchildren and people before you. Don't forget about us. That's how we keep doing what we do. I am a perpetual beggar. I even had one time I went to meet with this lady. She had like 16 oil wells. And I went to meet with her when I was a vocation director. And I knocked at the door and she opens the door. She's like, oh, it's the little beggar. Yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm the little beggar. But seriously, you guys, I'm amazed. The size of our parish and the amount of money we generate, it's, it's so low. If everybody would chip in, I want to give you, I, I think I did this a couple years ago, but this is so amazing to me. Our parish is around 1,100, 1,200 families, right? So I took a combined income of $65,000, which is low. Most people would be far above that, if not above it. Anyway, I went low. I'm shooting low, okay? If you, if everybody, at 65,000 is the average, if everybody gave just 5%, not 10, 5, you know how much money we would generate in a year? $3.5 million. You know how much we generate in a year? About 680,000. That's 5%. And if everybody chips in and does it together, and not just this weekend because Father's preaching on it, every week, we wouldn't even have to ask for money. We would have free Catholic education. We could evangelize the city of Mandan. And we'd outdo Bismarck, which would be really fun. <laughs> so at least, <laughs> if I can, at least that, right? I hate to ask, I do. But it's a constant need, a facility this large. I don't know if you know this, we own a city block. And they just redid it. Our specials went up $130,000. So there's an expense too. And if the prospect, as I said, if the prospect numbers of our high school adolescent program keep going, we're going to have to build a new building. And I don't want you to give because you feel guilty. I want you to give because you want to make a difference. Because it's, it's part of who you are as a Christian. Because you really believe that evangelization, education, prayer, faith are more important than Netflix, big homes, huge vacations, and the stock market. That's what I want. The more of the world's garbage we have, the more messed up we get anyway. I talk to people all the time. They get more and more and more and they're like, you know what? I kind of just miss being small. When things were simple. I want you to give because you're a Christian who's constantly trying to help others grow and fl flourish. Same reason I want you to pray and make decisions to change your schedule and have a faith impact every aspect of your life. The more you do this intentionally, you are striving to enter into heaven. And I promise the more meaning you'll have in your life.
But if you can't find one difference in the last seven days in regards to those three questions, then you're probably not following Jesus. You're following you. It's your choice. But Jesus makes it clear today what to choose and the consequences of that choice. I'll close with this. I recently heard this story of Vice President Kelvin Coolidge. He was overseeing a political debate and it got kind of heated, as they usually do. And at one point, the one guy, one candidate said to the other, he said, you, sir, you can go to hell. And he looked and he turned, he said, Mr. Vice President, did you hear what he said to me? And Kelvin Coolidge looked back and he said, I did. Uh, but I checked the rule book and you don't have to go. We don't have to go. We can. We can choose it. If we choose our lives over the lives of others, then we're not striving for heaven. We're not even living as Christians. So strive. I'm begging you as your pastor, your spiritual father, make one change to your schedule so that you can grow a little closer to him in your spiritual life. The next decision you make, make it based on belonging to him and his church so you can grow in your moral life. And finally, where is the Lord asking you to use your money to help, especially here at this parish, to help the parish life? Jesus wants us all in heaven, but it demands work on our part. And he doesn't demand that we're perfect. He doesn't demand that we never make a mistake. But he does demand that he is the center. So let us live our faith so intentionally that at the end of our lives we don't hear, depart from me. What you and I hear is, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy.